Their goal is to bring you a podcast that sounds more like everyone else than anyone else. We need to accept the fact that we are like every other podcast. We want to be special, but we're not quite there yet. It's the Zenial Odyssey Podcast with Remy and Bobby Rocks. What's been going on since the last time we were on? Well, fucking crazy thing happened to me, right? So I get a notification the other day on my Ring doorbell camera. You have a Ring doorbell camera? No. And so I go grab my laptop. <laughs> Thanks for stepping on the story. So I go get my laptop, right? It's like it's like 3.33 a.m. to see because I get a reminder. You know, I look, I'm at the door, bro. Is it actually you or is it someone just dressed like you? It was me. I opened the door. Well, then who was on the laptop? I opened the door. And we did a Dragon Ball fusion. And what did you evolve into? Even more of a mess. Oh, Super Remy? <laughs> or less yeah. than, or less or than uh, zero Remy. Me- Mega Remy or Nega Remy? Nega Remy. Nega Remy. Yeah, he's, in, he's negative and stuff. All right, so uh, anywho, on that note, what are we going to talk about today? Today, we were going to talk about... We thought about talking about this, but we're going to do 60 to 90 minutes on pap schmears. What are we going to do with the other 55 to 85 minutes? We're going to talk about guitarist Pat Smear. What are we going to do with the other 54 to, to the, I, I can't minutes? do any more wordplay. I know, I know, I know. Come on, that Pat Smear joke was good. You, got, you gave me nothing. Nothing. No. Pat Smear to Pat Smear is fucking dope, dude. Right, audience? Yeah. You know, why, you know why they didn't find it funny? Because they're just not into his guitar work because it's clean. Oh, you, you, know, you know why they, they did there? You know why they did? Dude. How crazy was it? No disrespect to find out that he was straight. Have you ever seen him in interviews or seen him talk? Or no, but what is he yes. like? Liberace? He talks like him a hundred percent. Yeah, you you don't know who Pat Stay is? I mean, Pap Smear? No. Oh, the guitarist for um, he he's in Nirvana, dude. Oh oh oh, fantastic! Yeah, I I always thought he was uh, he was yeah, gay. he's married with uh, he's yeah. married with children. Yeah, his first. The first time we ever really see him is on the unplugged. unplugged. Yeah, and then he was the guitarist for the Foo Fighters. Yeah, was he the rhythm guitar or I? I, I, I don't even was, know. Uh, but then he left because he left for a genuine good. Oh reason. yeah, he's in the Foo's now. Yeah, no, no, he left for a long time because he was like, eh, I'm just not big into being famous. Yeah, but he's like he, a, almost like he's like more like a studio guitarist. He's in Foo Fighters now, right? He's he's yeah. He left for like a decade and then he left after the Color and the Shape. You mean their best record, yes. hands down, yeah. one of the best records. Yeah, ever so made. he pulled the John Frusciante. Yeah, after re- Blood Sugar Sex Magic for the oh, Red members. go on like a heroin vacation, did he? No, 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 no. lost his mind. I understand John Frusciante had his demons with heroin, but he also admitted that the level of fame that yeah, they got was, was overwhelming to him. Oh, on top of just his legitimate heroin addiction. By the way, my opinion, that's the best behind the music. The Red Hot Chili Peppers is the best. That's a tough, man, it's a tough one because I would argue too, Metallica. Yeah, I it, to me it's better than Metallica because I think because a lot of on Metallica's is contrived. Whereas with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, there there's nothing contrived about they like they basically they were all heroin addicts oh, yeah. at some point. Anthony Kiedis, Anthony Kiedis wrote Under the Bridge. It's about where he used to get his smack from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a wonderful lyrics, wonderful song. I think it's. John Frusciante's signature. Underneath the bridge. There was a lot of people in the 90s who sang about heroin and bridges. bridges. Yeah. You know who else did? Jeff Bridges. 
Yeah, do you know you know what else? What? We don't even talk about the biopic movie about heroin under bridges. Um, the Bridges of Madison County. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got me there. Oh, damn. The, you know, Clint Eastwood in that heroin habit See, when he's in his give, 70s. Why don't you give yourself the shitty rim? You only give the rim shots to me. That's the problem. Well, that's because I'm the one controlling things. <laughs> See, that's better than a... See, anything's yeah. better than a rim. That worked. Yeah. Anything's better you know, than a rim? <laughs> yeah. You know. Well, Rem, if you feel that bad about it, I mean, maybe you can take control of the controls. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'd like to apologize to Chris Rock. Dude, why did you slap him? Did you see Will Smith's apology yesterday? No, but I heard about it. So contrived. Isn't everything in the modern era? Everything's in the world contrived. All right. So in all seriousness, we can just babble too. That's fine. Yeah, but we had a point. We had a point. We have a point to the episode. Now, this is how I'm going to tie it all. I'm just going to tie it all together. Not with the bullshit we've been talking about here, but how I'm going to tie it all in is you brought up that it would be great to talk about the stupidity that we engaged in in our like teenage years and our young adulthood. Yeah. And what that made me think of for me personally is that time coincided for me and my friends with Jackass and CKY mm-hmm. and Thrasher magazine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The whole alternative like skater, biker, X Games lifestyle, which by the way, my brother is a part of that. Even yeah, he, at, like literally, even at 41 years old. Yeah, my brother still rides like BMX and he's, you know, all power. That's, that's his workout and he does more than I do. He works out for the two of us. But I remember my brother was infatuated with, my brother's always been infatuated with uh, videography, Yeah. by the way. But during that time, we would just try to recreate our version of like CKY. Yeah, those videos. Yeah. And we had, a, we, our friends, we had a great group just cast the characters. And so I figured that's what I thought of when you were like, hey, let's bring up the stupidity. Because uh, interestingly, a, not a, there was a lot of it and it's a lost. I don't know where he kept it, but we videotaped a shitload of stuff. That's great. And it still and it still exists. Yeah. So I figured we could just talk about that. And I could talk about it from my point of view. You could talk about it from yours when we come back from a little break here. Yeah. Sounds like a fucking solid idea, my dude. All right. So when we come back, who's going to start? You will. Okay. I'm going to start. So we'll play a tune. We'll come back and I'll start. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for the Odyssey today. It's going to be a fun ride, people.
start your story off, let me set it up. It is 1992. I'm looking at you, Bob. What do you look like? What is your whole vibe? What's your energy? I'm 10 years old. I'm fat like I am now, and I have a bowl cut. All right, go go to 16 then, end of the year. Like I was Basically, gonna... I want to give the people a visual for when you tell your stories. Okay, so what? there's basically a four to five year window that I'm talking about here. Okay. 1990, we'll just call it five. 1999 to 2004. So during that time, I am 16, 17 years old till I'm 23, mm-hmm. 22, 23 years old. And during this time, uh, Bam Majera, skateboarder, got he was getting huge for his skateboarding rightfully so the guy was was a phenomenal skateboarder but then he tied it into like his brother had a band cky mm-hmm. most people don't know that that that's where they got the name for the video cky is because the, the name of the band was uh cky which stands for camp kill yourself they thought it would be a great parody film of 80s the sleepaway camp or the friday the 13th but those videos took off and they were all his friends like Brandon Dac- Brandon Dacamelia is my favorite. Yeah. I, I absolutely loved him. He's absolutely talented. Uh, Rob himself, Chris Rob. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the random hero Ryan Dunn. May he rest in peace. We had. Did you look like a skater? What did you look like? I yeah. I well, I looked like an indie kid. So there were friends of mine. So I had friends. I had scenester. I'll call them scenester friends. I had friends who were skateboarders. I had friends that were hardcore into hardcore. I had friends that were into emo and punk rock and we all had similarities. And so I was kind of a blend of all of that. And I was bald, but nice. <laughs> yeah, I've been bald since I was like 18 years old. It's gangsta so. shit. Yeah. So I was the, uh, I was the one who always wore a hat so I could look my age and yeah, we would just engage in these deplorable things and my brother would videotape most of them. Yeah. So my brother, viewed it as the BMX version of like CKY. Hmm. And because he, him and his, all his friends, they, they rode, they have, they have their bike trails out in Pembroke, Massachusetts by silver, the actual silver Lake, not the high school Sick out there. Yeah. And when he would hang out with us, it would just be, okay, let's do some outrageous stuff. And yeah, a lot of that involved drugs and alcohol, sometimes on the camera. Sometimes it would just be the aftermath yeah. of, of that. And you would just see the deplorableness. So, there would be times where maybe before a party, let's say there were six of us and we were going to a party. And obviously to my brother Tim would videotape. And then me and the other four or five people would kind of be like, well, okay, who's going to be our, our target? And we're all friends. So it's like, you know, we all took turns being targets of something. So it'd be like, all right, who's going to be the target? So the whole point was to catch them off guard. Yeah. Really to just, it's, it's only contrived for the people who know what's going on, but for everyone else. Like, so you get those normal reactions from people. And so we would do terrible things like someone would bring a would bring boxing gloves to a party. Just fuck someone up. And yeah, like basically someone not knowing it, anything. And then you just get blasted in the nuts. You get blasted in the face. And yeah, that would be my brother. My brother. And it was like nothing. Like you didn't say, hey, why is Tim filming? It, because he filmed everything. It was just part of he it. He just yeah. filmed everything. And that was genius on his part. He, so it was like when you never knew when something was coming. You never knew. Sometimes nothing came. Yeah. So there was, there were times where my brother would have someone else film or he would set up the camera stationary. So there'd be times where sometimes someone would get the boxing gloves thrown at them, hit them in the face or hit them in the nuts. Like you get a flipper. Yeah. Uh, so this one time he gave me a flipper with the glove with with one glove and like I go down like for anybody who's never experienced getting hit in the nuts, which I think no joke. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts. So he then hands me the the glove, it gets down on a knee and says, hit him in the head. 
So let's just think about this. We're siblings. He has just hit me in the nuts and has asked me to hit him in the head. So I, uh, I not only obliged him, I knocked him out. Dang. And the funny thing is, is he was editing the video one day and my dad happened to walk by the computer and saw him editing it. And my dad saw that part of it. And my dad literally like found me and was like, so um, I watched the video. You hit him like 60%, right? You didn't hit him. No, I did, but I'm going to say, no, no. I Yeah, you're right. I hit him 60%. Where in my head, I'm like, no, fuck this asshole. That's he had idiot. everything coming to him. All right. So same party, a friend of ours, and he had made himself like a homemade scorpion bowl. Yeah. And then he, yeah, and then he got hammered off of it. And then we convinced him to let me like punch him in the stomach basically until he threw up. Ah. And then he spent the next four hours throwing up. That's awful. And then he, this, we were deplorable. Like, yeah. The one thing that I, we're terrible people for this one. And I'll fully admit that as an adult, we knew this kid. We didn't like him. We, we he was like a, like a periphery friend and we rolled into, he had a house party because his parents went away. And we just rolled in there and we were just, we were a crew. We were a crew. We rolled in there. We destroyed things. We, the friend who we punched in the stomach, no one asked him to do this. He did this on his own. He found a boogie board in the house and he surfed it down a flight of stairs, stairs. and exit and took out, a, took out the wall next to the front yeah, door. Yeah, that's generally how that'll work. Yeah. But then we spent the rest of the party making the hole worse. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where it was down to studs. Wow. And then like my brother would videotape himself like urinating in the bathroom everywhere but in the toilet. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you kind of, Remy has a look on his face like he was like, damn, Bob, you guys Jesus. are fucking assholes. Let's come back. Yeah. Uh, someone we came to the party with, him and his girlfriend were there and they talked about, they got intimate in his sister's bedroom and used a pillow to clean up Ugh. and the record stopped and we said, fuck that. Like you, you crossed the line after we've destroyed yeah, everything in this you house. Guys we, the, yeah, we say you're the moral compass. You, you've crossed the line with with bodily fluids. Yeah, not counting urine. But yeah, all I'm saying is we used to record crazy things like this. I'll tell you one more story, Rem. Yeah, do you to shit. You guys. So in in my parents' house, my parents went away. We threw a party. Now we we limited it in our in our home mostly because. I made it very clear that if people crossed any lines in my home, like fuck them up. Yeah, like I would be contradictory. Yeah. You know, I can go to someone else's home and fuck it up, but if you if you come here and fuck it up, I'm gonna fuck you what up. What a prick. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, oh, that's great. Oh, you broke a window. Oh, well, I'm gonna break another window by putting you through it. And and for the most part, people were respectful of that. And they they relied on my brother and I as far as how fucked up things would get. Yeah. So we thought it'd be a fun idea. So regardless of us being piece of shit people for doing all this stuff, Rem, if someone passes out at a party. Fair game? Now... In, in, in relatively speaking. Now, now, um, but yeah, yeah. You, We're talking I, 20 years ago. Yeah, you never, like, I never once passed out in front yeah, of Yeah, that, uh, that was anxiety I had, too. I didn't want to be that no, person. No, I'll always be the last person hanging. So we had a reclining chair, and the person literally had reclined it, and they're passed out. Most of the party's gone. And so my brother sets up the camera, and he's like, let's fuck with them. Now, some people would say, this is where permanent markers come out. Not us. I don't want it. No. This is where dicks come out? No, no, okay, no, no, no. Okay, no, good. No, 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 So what we did is <laughs> my father liked to use the right card spray. Yeah. Deodorant. And what is that? It's flammable. Oh, yeah, of course. So we got a lighter. We got that. And we got a plunger. And so what happened is my brother set up the camera and we're... So it's stationary, so we both can take part in this. And my brother had the plunger, and he was standing on one side of the couch, or the chair. And I'm standing directly in front of where they're going to wake up. And we set the camera up so it's kind of, you get a side view. Yeah. 
And so my brother hits him in the head with the plunger. And as he wakes up, I just spray a flame in his face. Jesus. And uh, I know it sounds terrible, but if if you watch this video... Oh, sure. It looks great. It, but it is terrible. It doesn't it, sound no, no, terrible. No, no, no. It, it is terrible. It's but, terrible. But like, it's great because my the first time I saw it, my brother showed it to me in slow motion. And you see like a, so, so someone normally waking up and they're moving forward and then they become aware that there's fire. Yeah. And you see them try to stop like their momentum and their body get rigid. And they did get burned. We're, I was far enough away where it was just about the scare factor. And yeah, like in the moment, like if you see the unedited video, like he's looking at us like he finds it funny, but we're still assholes. Yeah, yeah. And we're just, we're both just like hyperventilating laughing. Oh, of course. <laughs> and you can hear like other people laughing in the background. So yes, uh, my friends and I, we were deplorable human beings. Nice. And um, sadly for the ones of us that are still alive, I, I'd like to say that we've all matured and we look back on stuff like that and say, like when people say, oh, if you could do anything to your younger, if you could give any advice to your younger self, what would you do? I'd kick the shit out of myself. Yeah, fair. Yeah. How's that, Rem? Is the floor yours now, or do you want to? Do you have any feedback on just my debauchery? And oh, here's the thing: it, 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 that wasn't my circle, but that was not unheard of for the '90s at all. Yep. It, there was a huge skate-influenced culture, and there was a huge because people think video cameras were always around, but they weren't. They became a real staple in the '90s. Mm-hmm. They became more affordable, so. That kind of that, that's the thing is when most people saw Jackass, they're like, "Oh, it's that crew of kids I know," but they made it. That's the difference. I will tell one more because of there's a tie into this. So, yeah, of course you're not fucking done. So my this because it comes from yesterday. I'm playing games. Shut up. Go. I know it comes from yesterday. So yesterday was my my nephew's high school graduation party, and we had it at my mom's house. So I, I come over with my wife, and we're talking with my brother and um, one of his friends who he's known a long time, and it was a part of a lot of these things. They were just one of those people that was like, "I'm not doing anything." These guys are kind of. Yeah, they're nice guys. That was the whole thing, too. We, we were nice oh, people. Yeah, I believe it. We were those nice people, but then we get a party like that, and then people kind of go, yeah, they're nice people, but, but right now? So we were talking about when we had an eviction party. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody was getting kicked out of their apartment. Yeah. Rem, have you ever been to an eviction party? No, but I'm sure they just ruin everything, debauchery. Yeah, but it's fantastic. Of course. Oh, like, I'm talking firework fights and all that. And no one's worried. And so this... Uh, my brother's friend, she said that she was telling that story to somebody that they knew. And, and uh, the guy was like, dude, that's my mom owns that building. You were there? Oh, almost shit. like that, almost like that Judas moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I'm just, you know, I'm being silly, I was silly and being silly in the moment yesterday. I was just like, tell his mom not to be a shitty landlord then. <laughs> <laughs> right? Evicting a motherfucker. Yeah. There are things that we can talk, me and some of those people can talk about where it's like, yeah, we look back fondly and laugh, but it's like that we wouldn't do that today. Yeah, you wouldn't really, I don't think you'd really be able to, unfortunately, but like... Oh no, there'd be things where it just would go viral and be a crime. Yeah. Yeah. Can't fuck with somebody who's not consenting to whatever's happening to them. Exactly. Um, so my crowd was weird. I, I initially, when I got into high school in Plymouth, like I'd only been in the Plymouth school system for like a year. I'd come from Weymouth. And uh, I had a pretty good job of like blending into whatever fucking group. So I had my, I had my friends. I had a couple of Jamaican and black friends. So I was kind of in the black circle. But then I had my dirtbag friends because that's how I got introduced to drugs. So those were like the long haired kids and flannel and shit like that. And I could kind of pick the middle. My, I guess my situations were a lot more about internal debauchery than external debauchery. Drugs, want, man. Drugs. No, I know. I wanted to say like self mutilate, but that's not like. 
It could be, but I'm just saying it's not that. It's well, I mean, you know, self harm. We have our stance in a way, but yeah, I think that it is. I also think that there is a moment you come to in suburbia where you're like, "Oh, this is a dead fish. This is just boring." Yeah. And because um, I mean, I'd never intended to necessarily do drugs, but a couple of my friends kind of got me around it. Peer pressure is a thing. Started smoking, but then it like it's it went pretty quick in Plymouth because it was like. I was smoking one week and I was like, oh, weed. I started smoking before school. Like, I fucking loved it, dude. It was magical. And like that kind of, somebody somebody dosed me with LSD, but then I had a great experience. So I loved LSD. So my thing would be like going to school tripping. I did that probably, if you do it once, it's one more time than you should, but I did it a lot. So for me, it was like more of a Hunter S. Thompson experience. You know what I mean? <laughs> fear and loathing on the, fear and loathing. <laughs> fear and loathing on the Pilgrim Trail. <laughs> yeah, for real. But that would be the thing is like me and my friends would all take tabs and go walking for a day all through like wherever the fuck we end up is where we end up. And I remember this one time because, you know, I was the weird long haired. My visual thing for anybody wondering is long haired fucking stoner in the 90s. So flannel jeans, combat boots. It's the shit still kind of looks good. So you were uh, what's his name from Empire Records? Yeah. 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 To a T. And like, yeah. you know, you just look at someone like fucking any of the Seattle guys and it's like, yeah, I'll do that. T-shirts and flannels. That was my style. So I was like, you know, kind of a burnout kid. And so it was even weirder that the long haired burnout kid was hanging around with all like the cool, like the cool black kids. I'm not going to fucking mince my words, but we all got along and we all lived near each other in Manamit. So we're walking around tripping this one day and we'd walk to the beach. We'd gone to a bunch of places and this girl pulls over. She's like, what are you guys doing? And I, I like knew her from school. Her name was Jamie. I won't say her last name. I was like, oh, we're just tripping and walking around. And she's like, uh, do you guys want to ride? I can take you anywhere. So we're just like, all right. There were four of us. So I had me in the front, three in the back. And I'm like, all right, fuck it. You know what I mean? So I get in the car. She starts driving and she's, long story short, she's trying to bug us out by like, ooh, look at how bad I'm driving and shit. I might have even told you the story because I'm having deja vu. But we're all tripping face. I'm tripping so hard that I just think it's normal what's happening. So I'm not even doing it. I turn around, look, I'm like, this is fucking crazy. They're like, turn around. Bam. She smashes into a tree at like 40. I broke the fucking windshield with my face and shit. And I remember that. And then like, but I had tons of acid on me. So as soon as the accident happened, like I got out of the car, bit through my bottom lip, bleeding everywhere and just bolted from the crash scene because I didn't want the police to come. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. When I got home, and I remember I got home that night, my brother and sister, because my parents were divorced and whatever, everybody was everywhere. My brother and sister were at my dad's house, which is where I lived. I'm like, wow. So I'm on acid, I'm bloody, and I have to somehow walk by my family right now and not make it weird. I was like, how do I do that? And I honestly, I think at the time I had a Walkman, and all I did was I made it so that when I walked in, I was looking down at the face of the Walkman, I was like, oh, hey, what's up? there's no valid reason to do that. But, mm -hmm. oh, hey, guys, I'm glad you're here. I got to use the bathroom. And that gave me a chance to wash my face. But I remember my sister came back and she's like, what's up? I'm like, but it was a lot of that shit. It was like living on the edge and like being, I remember like just weird fucking experiences. Like another time I brought a bunch of my friends out to Miles Standish and uh, we were just going to walk around hiking, tripping all day. And we got like lost out there bad, like bad like till nightfall and everybody was like we're gonna die like it was like a fucking it was a really weird horror movie type situation where we were actually pretty much fine the whole time but so many people were screaming that we were gonna die that we all started to believe it it was fucking weird at one point i remember that like we all laid down i was like fuck it then let's just die and then i like looked down i'm like what the fuck am i doing and i'm like i get up i remember that i get up i rip my shirt off and i was like follow me 
And I just like got possessed by something, bro, that led me out of those woods. I don't, I didn't even know where I was going. My feet were just going. I'm running fucking every time I'm like too far ahead of people. I'm like making sure I'm like, make sure you see me. Cause if we go out of sight lines, it's going to be bad news. So I think for me, and like even the party experiences, the problem with Plymouth parties was what you're talking about is cool. We never got to that because, see, there was a divide in Plymouth. There was Plymouth North and Plymouth South, and there was a huge feud between the two. So what would happen 90% of the time is people from Plymouth North would come and crash Plymouth South parties to essentially to have fights. Mm-hmm. So I can probably count five out of 50 parties I went to that didn't end in, I mean, severe violence. I mean, like the last fight I saw in Plymouth, a dude got put through a solid like front door of a house, like thrown through the door so hard it ripped off the fucking hinges of the house. And then like one of my buddies just was fucked up. He didn't want to go to the hospital because it was a fight situation. But we're talking to him. He keeps nodding out. Like, nah, bro, sorry. Like, I don't care, but you got a head wound, a head injury. There was a lot, I mean, but there was a lot when I went to the clubs in Plymouth, like Sean O'Toole's and Riptide's, like, fight every night. It, it was fucking insane. I thought it was normal until I talked to my other friends and I'm like, oh, you wouldn't, like, have drinks poured on you and people, like, bash into you during a fight every time you were out and people, like, no. So, on the flip side, because I, I'm one of those people that has a diverse, group of like friends. Yeah. I have friends that don't hang out with one another. And on the flip side, I had my friends from high school who were athletes. I'm, I'm not going to say jocks because some, they were jocks, but yeah. they were athletes too. And they, I mean, they drank, but we did normal stuff. <laughs> we yeah. like, no, I know we, what you're saying. We, we would go like play basketball at night somewhere or yeah. something like, so I could have these, it was like a balance, balance yeah. for me. I had my friend, my debauchery friends, but I had my friends where we just did fairly mundane mundane things. Yeah. And I liked that balance and I'm still friends with some from both, but going back to, for me, drugs, drugs specifically, I remember I started doing drugs because I just, uh, it was around like early adolescence. And for those reasons, like, Oh, it's like, things are intense, just feelings. Like when your, your brain is changing, a lot of it was just because I just wanted to get a break. And sadly for a lot of us, what I, what I, when I look back on it, a lot of us were doing drugs just because of like that. It continued for us. And it was really when mental health wasn't really focused on. So what do we do? We self-medicated and a lot of us, and some people came out of it and some people didn't. And some people are still struggling with that. And some people have lost their lives. I remember in the, I grew up, you know, near an old neighborhood and on Saturdays we would start at one house. Every house had a drug or an alcohol. So if you were at one house, you knew you were going to like just smoke pot until you were silly. If you were at another house, you knew that there was going to be like cocaine there. If you were at another house, you knew we were all just going to drink. And then there'd be the house where we'd have the party at at night where everything was there. Yeah. You're really sucking the air out of my story here. I I thought you were done. I thought you were done. Continue then. I mean, I'm always willing to do the, the drug speech and the drug d- discussion, but I think Plymouth was just, it was a lot more highly charged than most of the suburbs that my friends grew up in. There was just so much raping and so much fighting and shit. And so it got to a point with the parties where I knew at least in Plymouth to avoid them because it was too easy for me to get triggered and it was too easy for me to want to fucking fight if the wrong person bumped into me and stuff. And so that's what I mean. It was a lot of it was about exploration. And the problem for me too once I could like legally drink and go out and do that stuff is even in the bars that I went to, there were just always brawls. So like there was a point and it was probably when I was like 21, 22. And I realized one of my good friends, parents were gone every weekend. They just went to some New York shit or did some shit. Mm-hmm. And I realized that like 
we could have ragers. And I never, like, I never did them at my house growing up because I, if anyone fucked with my dad's shit, he had too much, like, first edition art and stuff. I couldn't risk it. But I always knew I'd throw rages, so I started using my buddy Dave's, and I would make them, like, after hours so that any, anyone could meet at the clubs downtown. But then, like, because if you bailed at, like, 12 instead of 1.30, you bailed before the shit went down. So just telling people, going to the bar, finding the coolest people, and being like, yo, we're all going over here. So I did that for, for like, two months every weekend and it went fucking great until the night it didn't that i mean that's how those things go yep and the night it diff- didn't i was like on some ecstasy and it was hitting me weird and i was in weird space the energy in the place was weird and then specifically one one kid who i had beef with and i was like listen we're good just don't show up like we're good but don't show up don't just don't step on this land necessarily you know what i mean and the dude showed up and like it just it turned into a thing you know, it turned into a thing. And that was the crazy thing about back then, though, is like turning into a thing could mean that you got two people with their fucking heads split open on a sidewalk. It never felt like the crazy party foul shit was light. It never felt like Anchorman. It always felt like Requiem for a Dream. Do you know what I'm saying? Comparatively. Ooh. And then, you know, I started realizing, because I would talk to these girls that I was friends with and they'd be like, oh, man, last night was crazy. I was so drunk and I let two guys run a train on me. I don't. I don't think you did. I don't think you did. And by that you mean I yeah. don't think you let them. No, that's one hundred percent what I mean. Yeah. It's like ah, uh, and I started like getting wind of a narrative that went along with the party scene where I was. Mm-hmm. That was fucking terrifying, and I unfortunately started to realize that like a lot of girls that I knew and young women that I knew were shifting blame or, or minimizing things in their head because they had to. Yeah. Because it was it's the good um, defense mechanism. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it, when it's that widespread, you look around, you're like, oh, nobody stops this. So this is the normal. Mm-hmm. And I started talking to some of these girls and being like, because you know what you can't do? You can't do what I just said. You can't say, oh, no, no, I don't think you did. You can't make them come to terms with something that's not your place. But I heard that and I started making wind. So what happened for like the next six months was like the after hours that started as kind of like orgiastic and party-like, I kind of tried to make a safe space for people, you know? Because there'd even be instances leaving the bar. I remember this girl I went to school with, Jess, and this kid I went to school with, Billy, and Billy was fucking nuts. Billy was the kid that would have shot up the school if he had a way to back then. And I remember he'd, he'd wait outside the clubs for the girls that were really fucked up, and he'd offer them rides. And I knew that this dude was a serial killer in training, mm-hmm. but like... A blacked out girl sometimes would just be like, yeah, like, the, I'm sorry. Or a blacked out guy, anybody, I should say. But I remember once I saw my, him going around the corner with my friend. And I was like, no. And I ran over. I was like, the fuck are you doing? And he, like, turned in this thing. And I remember he, he had a knife because the kid was nuts. And he, like, showed me the knife. I'm like, then fucking stab me, bro. You could stab me, but you're not going to assault it. This girl was blacked the fuck out, you mm-hmm. know? So I think I started to learn that the party situation was a lot more... Um, had a lot more fine print than I had initially thought. And like, because your shit sounds fun. At least your, your shit was all pranky and safe. Well, I mean, I just, hi- I'm really just highlighting. No, 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 I know. But I'm saying I don't even have memories where it's like, oh, we went and we farted on people and stuff. Because that shit sounds fun as hell. But it's like anytime that something like that could have happened, it's the party somehow derailed beforehand. And the other thing that was big where I lived, because I lived on the Cape, is um, water parties, obviously. Parties at the ocean, parties at fucking yeah. lakes, parties at pools. There was a lot of that shit, too. And, like, one of my memories that 
it would happen a lot is like cops would show every time I was smoking, cops would show up at a party. And I just got so good at like either trying to fucking swallow the fucking thing or flicking it into a pool became like a second art form. But, and there was a lot of racial tension in Plymouth too. So it was fucked because sometimes like there were times when I'd be walking around the city, like I was just telling you with some of my friends, my black friends, Jamaican friends, and people would try to run you down and get out of the car and fucking fight you. So it was like, even a time, I guess, that was innocent was lacking a certain amount of innocence compared to some other people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, but I, I even think the thing about partying, that's it. Partying's amazing, but it's also so fucked up, right? Because you know that parties are great until the big tragedies happen. The big tragedies are someone dr- drives drunk home from them. Someone gets raped and shit. But then there's a point, at least for us, where it was like, we almost started getting used to that like it was normal. Mm-hmm. That's horrifying. And everything you were saying about drugs is the exact truth. I think for anybody, it's like, oh, I can't do this the way I'm doing it. I mm-hmm. need to turn the volume down. And luckily enough, some of us just stick with pot and little things and shit like that. But unfortunately, people chase the dragon. Yeah, for me, about 2004, like, I was over it. Yeah. I was over the absolute, like, just wild west of it. And I have a perfect example for you. Halloween. It was Halloween 2004. Okay. That was it. We had, uh, they used to call, uh, they used to call the trails in Pembroke the road snake. Just because, I mean, if you looked at it, it, it had a serpentine type of route. Yeah. Makes sense. So they had, they had a bonfire on Halloween and we went out there and yeah, we're doing our usual smoking pod, getting drunk. And then I was probably 21. I hadn't turned 22 yet. But anyway, at some point felt like I was babysitting people cause I wasn't as fucked up as them. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. 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 And I remember there was drama going on between my best friend and his girlfriend or whatever, because they're all fucked up. And so there's a mixture of us having the hijinks and fun. And then there's a mixture of us that are either in drama or dealing with babysitting people. Yeah. And I'm like sitting there going like, I just came here to have fun. Why the fuck am I babysitting people? And I'm helping my friend. He could barely walk. He Mm -hmm. was so messed up. And he like turned to me and the way, this is someone I've known since I was fucking like five years old. Wow. And the way he said thank you to me was the most condescending. And I, I had nothing to do with what pissed him off, but it was almost like a fuck you. Yeah. Like oh, you were just receiving the fucking anger because you were there. So we take him home. Beat the fuck up. No, 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 no. So we take him home and this is how old school, this is how much times are different. His parents left their door unlocked. Yeah. I literally walked him in the house. I put him to bed. And in the process, I had woken up his dad. I don't know if I've talked about his, my friend's father before. There are, I respected my father and loved my father. And I feel this man as a secondary father figure, nice. but I was afraid of him. Yeah. And he lived a life that made it that way. And when he heard noises like that, he, he let us know that he carried a gun under his. So I know when he called out like, who the fuck is in there? And it's like three in the morning. And I say, like, I say it by name. I'm like, hi, sir. You know, I'm, you know, putting your son to bed. And he's like, says, Bobby, like, what the fuck are you doing in my house at this time? And I tell him and he goes, is he, is he, he's home safe? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm just leaving now. And he goes, all right, good boy. Good boy. Like literally like that. Eh. But the story's not over there. So while this is going on, my friend, my brother and a couple of his friends are fucking with their Halloween ornaments in the front yard. And they had ordered from this pizza from this place that was still open at three in the morning. And they're waiting for it. And I look up at the window when I'm seeing all this go down. I'm like, this is a bad idea. And he's staring down from the window at all these people. And as the delivery driver shows up, he comes outside and he's flipping the fuck out. And finally, one of these guys just called bluff and he just, and he, and he just fucking broke the kid's face. Hmm. Cause the kid was like, oh fuck, like fuck you old man. And he's like, old man. And you just, the sound, have you ever heard bones break in a face? Mm-hmm. You don't forget it. Yeah. It's like so, hollow but full. Yeah. And so like we had to drive him to the hospital after that. 
yeah, that was, again, this was all the same night. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, yeah, I'm babysitting. I did everything right. And it still went wrong. Yeah, that's, I mean, <laughs> I think yeah. for our generation, that's one of the reasons we stopped doing it. But the on the other side is because a lot of us were doing drugs and we, we enjoyed it. But for me, I always had a limit. Some people I know, they didn't have a limit. The first time I was offered crystal meth. I was like, no thanks. Yeah, I hope so. No thanks. And I got like a weird reaction from people. Like I was a leper. Of course. Like, like what's wrong with you? You're the only one not doing it. Because like, you're making yeah. them feel weird. Because I don't want to do it. So yeah, I can list you. Like I never, I, heroin, nope. Ecstasy, nope. Nope. Crystal meth, nope. Crack, nope. Everything else though. I mean, hey, that was on the table. I have done obstacle courses with drugs and alcohol. I don't know if you know what that means. Nope. Okay, so just picture a kitchen, picture like a table like we're on. And picture at the end, there's a punch bowl full of just like seven, oh, okay, I know it is. seven yeah. alcohols. And then there's a bong next to that. And then there's a line of whatever next to that. So you start off, you start off doing the line, leave enough air to take a hit from the bong, leave enough air to be drinking from the punch bowl. And then when you're about to pass out, you blow out the air. And that's how girls were raped. Yeah. Well, we were dudes. <laughs> we were dudes doing that. So there was no raping. There no, was not just, in your scenario, no. but like that's blackout. That's the yeah. shit I hate. That's what I don't like. I didn't like that aspect of partying at all. You know, I used that story when I was in college to get a girl to leave me alone because she just gave me like, she gave me bad vibes. And then she started like, oh, how was your weekend? And she basically told me how she got a train run on her. I don't know if it was sexual assault, but she sold it like, hey man, like that. Live your best life. But she had told stories like, not like that, but she, she was very open and into like sexuality, which is fine. But it just like, to me, it was like, mm, I don't, and I'm just sitting there like, like literally fight or flights kicking in. Cause I'm like, I don't want to talk to her. I just want to go home. I just want to go. So I told her that story of what I did in my weekend of uh, obstacle course. She's like later frat boy. And she literally was like, you're disgusting. And now I'm like, really? So okay. I, have a, but I, I went, okay, okay. I have a question for you. Sure. So when you were sitting there with her and you knew you didn't want gone, why didn't you just say, yo, I'm good. Cause you were, in oh, we were in, cause we were in a class. Then how come she still had the opportunity to tell you you're disgusting? Because we were in a class. So it's like, what do I, you understand what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Just, I feel like you should have been a dick before she was a cunt. Like, I feel like if you're sitting there with this girl and she's just net, like my thing is like the point I'm at is like, I want you to go away from me. <laughs> but it worked. It worked because we had a mutual friend and she never wanted to talk to me again. So oh, there so, you go. So to me, I was like, I played succeeded. a longer game and it yeah. worked. I Listen, I played the long game. I, I yeah. bet you, I bet you in hindsight, she was not allowing that shit to happen or she's just a broken kid. Probably. I don't, I don't feel like too Or many, she was bullshitting or, or a little bit yeah, of both. right. But I guess for me, it got to a certain point when it was like, and, and I realized, you know, in my 20s that I liked psychedelics more than I liked any other kind of thing. So it became less, partying became less to me about other people and became more about me spending time with myself. But man, I'll tell you, like the 90s and the early, it was fucking debauchery. It really was, you know? It wasn't uncommon to see fights. Like you said, people offering you meth and shit, and you're like, wow. Because there's an image of the suburbs, but I still don't think it's really accurate. We've talked about it before, too. And I do have Plymouth stories of my friends going to Plymouth and getting involved in shit. things with yeah, Plymouth people. Yep. And just to, without going into it, because I, I think it would be too long of a story, when we can make Plymouth people go, holy shit. Yeah. Like that tells you, that just tells you all you need to know. We thought we were the line. No. Give me some no. examples. All right. So I left this party. So I missed this part, but some Plymouth people showed up and my friends were being friendly and was like, you know, smoking weed with them. Yeah. And they were, they were told they were going to match and then they didn't match. <laughs> yeah, and then that's, people. That's Plymouth. Yeah. 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 But then like my childhood best friend was like, 
really fucked up. And they were just kind of having verbal back and forth. Meanwhile, someone just random just grabs like a piece of driftwood and just nails him with it. Which person got nailed? My friend, my, my best oh, friend got fuck. nailed with the driftwood. Did nothing. He was so messed up, did nothing to yeah. him. So what did he do? He turned to face the person and they were shocked that they didn't knock him down and they yeah. dropped it. And then he picked it up and he was like, how does that make you feel? You blindsided me. You, you should have knocked me out and you didn't. And he's, and he's saying this animated with the piece of driftwood. Yeah, and at yeah. that point, they're kind of like, we have met our match. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, no, fair yeah. enough, dude. Yeah. And, they, and they left. How often do you hear like Plymouth people like, all right. <laughs> yeah, violence was their love language, yeah. man. And that's the suburbs. For me, the suburbs are where the stuff that happens in a city happens. It's just people try to be discreet or try to keep it from being seen. Yeah, it might even, yeah. you know, I think to some extent it might even be a, diff- a completely different kind of debauchery, too. Well, yeah, serial killers lived in the suburbs. And, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Sexual sadists. Yeah, they yeah they live there, too, and it's, it's an easier praying ground. It's an easier place to be without getting caught with the horribleness that you do. Yeah, I guess we could just end the story at this point. Yeah. Our upbringings were strange. We saw things we shouldn't have, but I feel like those things that I did see that were fucked up set a really strong moral compass in me for what's right and what's wrong, you know? I still do drugs and I think they're fantastic. And honestly, in my experience in the suburbs where I grew up is that there are people who live happy and normal lives here. And, of and course. it happens. And, it's, and I, that happens too. But I just like to say that there were other things that went, like Blue Velvet. Yeah. Blue Velvet's a great example. There's the image of the suburbs then there's the reality of and the then suburb. well there's the there's the reality that you can create for yourself but there's the reality of the seediness but there's the reality of the people who don't live the seediness it's true and it and it's all real it's all reality it's just whatever you make it out to be whether whatever you're participating in whatever you choose to acknowledge facts yeah, yeah those are facts and those were facts about our upbringing and all the, the great debaucheries and good times bad times and everything in between that we experienced so yeah, yeah reach out to us on the socials if you have things that you want us to uh, discuss about the suburbs are growing up or the stories that you may have or if you have videos share the videos with us hey maybe you guys grew up some of the places we were talking about so let us know what you think yeah if you grew up where we grew up you can tell us how it was the same or different because that's important too the suburbs are like war war never changes suburbs never change i feel like this would be a great time to just play the arcade fired suburbs yeah yeah all right let's cut to it we love love you guys thanks for dealing with our ramblings take care everybody On today's show, we have a special guest, one of the most talented musicians I know. It is Stephen Hayward. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. How we doing? Really a big fan of the music. You know, Bob's been running it by me since the first promo, and I'm like, fuck, man, this shit rocks. So good on that, man. We we appreciate you. All right. So where do you want to jump off? We can jump off wherever. 
Is that like a live post or is that a pre-record? Oh, for um, Facebook? Yeah. That's like I record it and then put it up. Another thing that you do that I thought was phenomenal is when uh, Chris Piana challenged you and you guys were going back and forth. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, he's a great guitarist. Yeah. yeah. So I had a question. Is what for you, the one particular song or solo like that basically gave you a bunch of shit before you learned it? I was getting willies too. Like, oh my God, I wish I could shred like that. It does so much for people that don't know where they fit in the world. Like music. New episodes are released every Tuesday morning. Find the XOP on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, our Facebook page, or YouTube.